I'm a punk rock prom queen. Or you're not. That's right. We're a Riverdale <laughs> recap podcast here to talk about chapter 91, The Return of the Pussycats by Ariana Jackson and Evan Kyle, directed by Robin Givens. That's right. And guess what? We get the Pussycats. <laughs> the title is not a bait and switch. It and, is not. And if you hear the name Robin Givens and wondering how, why do I, why can't I place that name? Uh, this is yet again another member of the cast coming in as a director. Robin Givens plays former mayor, former attorney, former cast member, honestly, uh, Mrs. McCoy. It's good to know she's alive. <laughs> it's been a while. Both, both for her character and her. Yes, she's behind and for a little bit in front of the camera this week. Yes. So this episode opens with a voiceover, not by Jughead. No. But by Melody. That's right. And Melody not only is taking charge of the storytelling, she starts with Jughead's classic line, you know, this is a story about a small town. Wait, no, no it's not. Scratch that. This is a story about three young women. So we're undoing Jughead's framing of the entire show. Yes. And, and she sets it up. That, you know, this is going to be a story about how they were the best of friends until they weren't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and how they parted ways and rediscovered themselves. So spoilers, I guess. Uh, you, don't need to, you don't need to watch the episode to know what happens. So uh, then we, we go join uh, Val, who is toasting Melody. Because they are roommates after all these years. And with a group of friends. And mm -hmm. uh, what she is toasting is that Melody left law school to become a writer and that she has published her book and she's just so proud of her. It is a young adult hit, much like Jughead's one book. In instead of being a, a king of like the literati like Jughead apparently was, her book is being optioned for the big screen by Tyler Perry. Yes, which, which we do find out in a moment. Yeah. Melody was supposed to go to Harvard Mm -hmm. She was going to Harvard, and she dropped out of Harvard to write this thing. Mm -hmm. Her her girlfriend, Nancy, is the one who's like, you got to tell them about the movie. you got to tell them about how Val's going to be the lead. Because <laughs> apparently Val's an actress. She's an actress. And an artist, and a poet, mm -hmm. and an activist. Yes. But really, she's a barista right now. <laughs> she, she has a lot of jobs. Yes. So before we go any further, I don't think we can talk about this episode, What Happens, without the clear context in which it was made. Yeah. Because it's already starting to come into focus. If you were not following the Riverdale news uh, uh, a little over a year ago. Yeah. June 3rd, 2020, Vanessa Morgan, who, who is the actor that, that plays Tony Topaz, mm -hmm. uh, went to Twitter to say, you know, enough's enough. I'm not being quiet. I'm tired of how black people and black women in particular are treated uh, in Hollywood and even in Riverdale. She, she talked about the sidelining of black plots in this show, something that we've talked about on uh -huh. our show. Uh-huh. I can't imagine how much more frustrating it is to, you know, be in the black audience or, you know, be in Vanessa Morgan's shoes, Haley Law's shoes, all of these people that we're seeing, including the fact that Vanessa Morgan is the lowest paid series regular at that point. Yes. 
bullshit because she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So this episode reads very, very clearly as just a great big apology. Just, to, well, yeah, you're right. Those are problems. And, and now here is uh, us showing that we, we could do better. And one thing I mean by that is that it, it uh, posits Josie, Valerie, and Melody as like an alternate central cast. They yes. are having their own adventures. One of them is a YA writer who could be our, our like narrator for the whole show, uh, which even sets up that there is a second Riverdale happening that we just never saw. Yeah. Constantly through, th- through this episode, we're going to have our uh, uh, long-absent black characters re, uh, reemerge, assert their uh, storylines they did have, hint at ones they didn't, I'm very yeah. curious if these are ideas that were like thrown out in old brainstorming and never made it in, or they're just, they're just brand new things to make the point that they had lives. They also had seven years in between. More than seven years, because they weren't around in season four. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't at graduation. No. No, they weren't. <laughs> but enough about that uh, uh, backstage context. Back to the drama at hand. So they're they're having this this celebration party for mm-hmm. her and and their friends are there and her girlfriend's there and her boyfriend's there and it's all very nice. But then we go check in with them like cuddling with their significant others going to bed. Yeah, and yeah. Mel is not very happy at her girlfriend Nancy for bringing up the movie yes. because Tyler Perry wants a flashy star and doesn't want Val. Somebody who can sell tickets on the strength of her name. Like any Hollywood producer would want. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Val is with her boyfriend, Alan Mayberry. Yeah, yeah. So Alan Mayberry, Alan M., is a character from the Josie book. Mm-hmm. He is the sweet, not too bright, but hunky folk singer that is part of the, the Josie McCoy uh, a love triangle in Josie books. Yes. And is their roadie as they go and tour. Which made me think, is Melody's girlfriend Nancy supposed to be Nancy from Riverdale High, famously Chuck Clayton's girlfriend in the comics? Maybe. I think so. I th- Maybe. <laughs> See, part of the parallel Riverdale is they also have their own stable of tertiary Archie Comics characters in their lives. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so um, apparently Alan M. here has uh, proposed to Val in the past. The and recent? Semi-recent past? He's like, hey, have you like given it any more thought? Like, no pressure. She's like, I don't know. Marriage is a big step. I don't know yet. <laughs> recent enough that it's an honestly friendly reminder, not come on, tell me already. <laughs> so meanwhile, over at Pops, uh, Tabitha is listening to the radio and Josie's song is ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the radio tells us that, you know, there's all this mystery over the star because no one knows her whereabouts after she went missing from her show in Berlin. Yeah, Tabitha's listening to the Exposition Radio Hour. Uh, It's her favorite block of music. And just then, someone walks into Pops, and she places an order, but then she's like, Wait, where's Pop Tate? Why isn't he here? (laughs) Wait a minute, why wasn't Josie invited to Pop Tate's retirement party? What is this bullshit? That is what I said back then. (laughs) Said that. 
it's an allowable contrivance for like, oh, she left the show, she's busy with other commitments, other commitments including a spinoff to the show, okay. But when she comes back and becomes a character again, it stands out so starkly. And they try to hide it with this whole like she was on a world tour, she yeah, was yeah. doing all these things, but it's like... What? Like, you weren't doing that for seven years straight. Like, <laughs> come on. In fact, we know what she was doing for some of it somewhere in between the Katie Keene show takes place. Yeah. Because that show does not end with Josie McCoy, international solo star, doing world tours every week. Well, and here's the thing. Let's remember that New York City is a hop, skip, and a jump. <laughs> right? She, she couldn't have taken an Uber. <laughs> Tabitha, you know, lets you know, oh, well, he retired and, like, he was my grandpa. But then she's like, wait, you're Josie. You're the Josie McCoy. Ah, I'm fangirling. Ugh. Tabitha's apparently Josie's biggest fan, which makes sense because she's the only member of the cast that didn't go to high school with her. <laughs> Here's what's so funny to me. She's like, oh, my God, Josie McCoy is standing in my restaurant. And I'm like, girl, she was here all the fucking time before. <laughs> Your grandpa has so many Josie stories. Do you remember that her mother was the mayor? <laughs> Nobody remembers that this town has a mayor. Ever since they unincorporated the town, meaning they no longer have a mayor, part of that is everyone's memories are just wiped of the the mayoralty entirely. Like Mr. Lodge. Oh, you mean the the the, rum man. The the entrepreneur. The philanthropist. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Tabitha is very like, oh, like, what brought you here? And we find out that Josie needed to take a break. And what do you do when you need to take a break? You break into a song! <laughs> so the memories start cl- uh, all coming back to her as the first strains of All Coming Back to Me start playing. And so we get a, a Jim Steinman banger, one of the great uh, uh, power ballads of all time, only really rivaled by other Jim Steinman bangers. And so while she sings, which let's just talk about it now, like... She puts everyone else to shame when it comes to singing. Always has, and Always she's back, Always has, baby. and like, dang. But while she's singing, we get a montage of, while she's in Pops, of different things that happened in Pops, you know? We, we get a little bit of memory lane flashbacks. Singing on top of Pops. Dancing inside of Pops. Having a milkshake in Pops. We <laughs> magically transport to the high school, and she is now wearing a, her prom gown, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. She didn't go to prom. <laughs> what she would have worn if she did and then we she, get... she was touring with her dad during that right that's uh maybe i think when she left Probably. in season three she was touring with her dad that's what that's what she was doing yeah. i guess that's why she missed prom then we get memories there of you know performing on the stage and being in class rehearsing with the girls in the music room uh smooching archie I think. Hugging him or something. Smooching him in the El Royale. She was around during the early days of the El Royale. Yeah. 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 When it was boxing. <laughs> um, and then Mel and Val appear. Also in what I can assume to be their prom dresses. <laughs> and so and they, they sing at each other. Because, like, it is essentially a breakup song. They give Josie as many lines as they can all about, you know, the, the painful weight of memories. But when it gets to the very, like angry, bitter breakup lines, that that's when the whole crew is there singing at her because yes. she did she done did them wrong. Yes. 
And then she is magically transported to her hotel room where her keyboard is there. Yes. But then she is interrupted by a knock on the door, which is the hotel staff and Mr. Lodge, who is complaining because there's no live music at the hotel. Not after 9 p.m. There's after not. 9 p.m. Yeah. And Josie says, damn, Mr. Lodge. Nice to know you're still a little bitch. <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck? And she's like, well, you're here in your little jammies and, all, and complaining. And this just all screams, once a little bitch, always a little bitch. <laughs> yes, he is a little bitch. Thank you, Josie. Thank, Thank you. you. And that is how we cut to the, the opening title card. Best cold open well, sequence in the history well, of the show. Well, and there, right before that, though, she's she tells the hotel guy, like, oh, so maybe you should see him out. And he's like, I'll do that. <laughs> it's, Fuck you, Hiram Lodge. Yeah, the, the hotel manager greets her under her, like, assumed name, traveling incognito. But when she makes a request, it's, yes, thank you very much, Miss McCoy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little bitch. <laughs> See, part of me was very upset because I was like, oh, she should be staying with Kevin. But then I would not have had that. Right? I would not have had that. Right? So, yes, please stay in the hotel. I and mean, put Hiram Lodge in his fucking place. Let's just say it right now so we don't spend 20 minutes on it later. Our mutual biggest complaint with this episode is it says nothing about the Josie and Kevin relationship. Are their parents still married? Are they step-siblings? Do they keep in touch? Do they view themselves as step-siblings? Do they have a a brother-sister relationship? Are they... What? I'm so confused. I mean, the fact that later Josie's mom is back in town makes me think that she and Tom split up sometime in the seven years. Address that. Right? Let's let's say something. It's one line. I just need one line. Josie and Kevin actually have quite a few scenes together. There are quite a few moments where like you you kind of question like what what is going on with you two? Are right? You, they you never s- take the chance. You seem friendly and on like oh, some type of relationship with each other, but I don't know what it is. So, over at uh Pops, Veronica's getting lunch. Mm -hmm. And Tabitha's like, okay, I had this encounter with someone who, like, really inspires me, but, like, I can't tell you who he is. Like, I'm not going to say that. But, like, (laughs) reminded me of my dreams. And I I got a dream. I got some dreams. This scene is essentially for lapsed viewers. Yep. There's quite a few of those in this. Yeah, yeah. We we get a semi-heavy-handed exposition on Tabitha's whole deal for people who've never met Tabitha before and Veronica's current deal. Yes. So we're reminded, you know, Tabitha wants to franchise pop Mm -hmm. and uh, Veronica has fucking Chad to deal with in the whole money thing. Yeah, she has to make a lot of money fast to crawl out of a Ponzi hole that Chad buried her in. Yeah, and so Tabitha wants, like, Veronica to invest some of her, her her nest egg so she can make her franchise dreams come true, and Veronica's like, I really can't do that right now. <laughs> I like you too much to be one of my sick marks, okay? Yeah. Kevin mm-hmm. brings Josie to school, and he's like, hey, Weatherby, look who's back. And fucking B is so fucking excited about her, he is so pumped to see Josie. He's so happy to see an actually successful alumnus that isn't some sort of a fucked up freak like Jughead, or Betty, or, or Veronica. <laughs> or Cheryl, or Kevin, or well, Archie. 
So he's just like, so why are you back in our humble halls? <laughs> just so excited. Uh, so what she's there for is she wants to, uh, you know, use the music room to record her own stomping grounds. And she's like, I can pay. And he's like, oh, can you pay in music classes? This is how short staffed they are. They don't need her to cover payroll. They need her to cover hours. You remember when like a while ago <laughs> they did like have to have Cheryl finance the whole school? <laughs> but like, that's fine now. We're good. They, just, just teach classes. Who are they going to pay the money to? They need bodies. That's <laughs> what they need. That's what they're short on. Please disinfect the music room first, please. So uh, she agrees, and he is just living his best fucking life. <laughs> Made his year. So uh, meanwhile, Veronica is visited by an old friend. It's Zandra. Fucking Zandra. <laughs> Zandra Cabot from uh, the Katie Keene show. Uh, because this show isn't just about bringing back or, or reinvigorating the stories of the, the black women on the Riverdale cast. We're bringing in the the, uh, the most significant black woman from the spinoff cast as well. Yes. Yeah. Frankly, I'm surprised Mad Dog's grandma didn't work her way into this episode Mad somehow. Mad Dog's grandma? How's she? Right? How's she doing? Please don't tell me she's dead. I know it's been seven years, but like, come on. <laughs> she is there because she made some investments with Chad, mm -hmm. which seems like, wow, you were dumb. Chad was originally from the Katie Keene show. Like, like he actually appeared. The character of Chad Gecko was in two episodes of Katie Keene, played by a different actor. He was recast when he was brought over to Riverdale. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah, we didn't keep watching that show, so no. I don't know this. <laughs> it was kind of boring. Chad's not returning her calls, so she's there to see Veronica to get her money. And mm -hmm. she's like, well, you know, I could give you your money, but I also have, like, this whole different investment idea. How do you feel about diners? Veronica, call Reggie. He's way better at selling this than you. Please, please. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so over at Riverdale High, Archie's, like, walking down, you know, the hall. Looking more like a student than a teacher, because he's got, like, his backpack on his shoulder. <laughs> um, and he, he hears a lot of music. Mm -hmm. A lot of singing. And that leads him to the music room. Where Josie isn't just, like, teaching music. She's turned these kids over, what, half an hour? Into a fully choreographed gospel choir. <laughs> She's amazing! She's a wizard. She's the best teacher they've got. It's amazing the things you can do. Kevin, give up your award. You you give it to your sister, I think. So they have a nice hug. Uh, and, and then a little catch up after the students are gone with like, you know, I'm working on an album. And he's like, that's great. You should come to the White Worm, formerly the Speakeasy. Catch up the lapsed viewers who are here for Josie. <laughs> yep. Um, and so she's reluctant, but then she agrees. Um, so he leaves and she tries to call Mel, who freaks out. And does not pick up. And then Vel in the other room, because remember the roommates, gets a call. Yes, as she's working on her gigantic canvas. This is a cool painting. So that night at the White Worm, uh, Archie is just getting done filling her in on his life. That's like, yeah. And so then we turned my gym into like a fire department. But that, like, that's enough about me. What's been going on with you? <laughs> and like everyone's there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, they're all very excited and they're kind of bouncing around like, hey, you know, it's so good you're here. Like, it's so exciting. Like, oh, we should do a benefit concert, just like old times. Veronica mentions uh, the Entertainment Tomorrow profile they did on Josie and her Vanity Flare cover. 
They're very intense. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Josie kind of snaps back that she didn't have a say back then in the things she did, which yeah. is kind of like, you did half the time. Because <laughs> you said no a lot. <laughs> Again, this is why I wanted to bring up the context at the top, because it really hits you hard in this scene with lines like, quote, I didn't have much of a say in our old times. And when Betty tries to, to talk about their friendship, she replies, you and I have spoken all of what, five times? And then Jughead makes like a comment like, yikes, and he's like, Jughead, the last time I saw you, you were robbing pop tates in a serpent mask. <laughs> I think it was actually a gargoyle mask. And then Cheryl tries to say something, and she's like, you once sent me a pig's heart. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. If I recall correctly, this is why it felt so right for uh, Kevin and Josie to be step-siblings for a while. Because they were so mistreated by the show. In, yes! In many similar ways. They bonded over it. <laughs> They're absent or traumatized. Yes! Forgotten by everyone else or used. <laughs> When Josie had stuff to do, it was always someone's asking her to do something and her being like, no. Or just this once. So so she ends up leaving. Mm-hmm. And guess who's waiting outside for her? It's Sweet Pea! It's Sweet Pea! I have missed Sweet Pea. Where's my boy, Ben? He apparently has found out that Josie's back in town and has come to see her. You know small towns. Everybody talks. He's like, oh, well, you want a ride? Anywhere you want. And apparently where she wants is her hotel room. And they stumble in and have a good old fun time. Yeah, he, she's definitely more interested in riding Sweet Pea than his bike. But uh, one thing at a time. You know, if I can't have the happiness of Kevin and Fangs and Tony, <laughs> at least I get this. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this show is just out to break my heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so, so the next morning after their sexy time, yeah, it was sexy um, time. Jo- Josie's like, you know, gonna head out and he's all like, you're sneaking away from your own hotel room. She's like, I got stuff to do. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And they have a very nice time and like, but I thought very- I was stuff. Oh, I mean like, yeah, look at you. Look at you, sweet pea. Look at your stuff. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> Her stuff is that she needs to do that's not Sweet Pea mm-hmm. is to go see Valerie and Melody. Yes. They have agreed to meet her. Uh, and Josie is definitely very like uh, high energy. Everything's great. It's so great to see you all. And they're very much not. They're a united front of like, mm, that's not how I remember it. Because while Josie was sidelined, she was at least sidelined for like three whole seasons and not one and a half. <laughs> yeah. They ask her, like, well, why are you here? What's going on? And she's like, well, making an album. And then what she would love is to have both of them join her for a track on the album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's like, you know, do either of you still perform? And so they look at each other. And they're like, oh, do we? And then we, and then hard cut to two consecutive musical numbers. It starts with uh, Melody's song that that uh, Valerie joins in toward the end. And then a Valerie solo. Good for them. Like, mm-hmm. it's great. But it's also kind of weird. This is uh, uh, essentially a musical episode. Like the the songs follow musical logic. Yes. They they well, I guess the the defining thing for a musical for me is the the semi diegesis that we talked about ages and ages ago. But these are fully non diegetic essentially. Yes. 
uh, where they answer the question by performing and then just smash cut back to the table. And so, a, like, was that a, a drug trip or did they just do some karaoke or did they just have a normal, like, Tuesday performance? They essentially just said yes, but what we saw was a pair of musical, uh, uh, was a pair of musical numbers while Josie was just hearing the word yes every once in a while on that stage right there. It's very strange. So, so they're like, yeah, we do. And, you know, music, music was our first love. That's why it was so hard when you disappeared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you know, I had my dad's opportunity to travel. And like, no, you stopped talking to us before then. Because we were right? all written off the fucking show. <laughs> yeah. They have all, both talked more in this episode yes. than they did for seasons. Melody, very literally, yes. Uh, <laughs> Valerie, close. She did date Archie for like three episodes. She was mostly a character for a while. Yeah, like what? Season <laughs> one? one? Season one. Yeah, so it's been a while. <laughs> so their, their point they make to Josie is that, you know, it really hurt that she would disrespect, you know, the, the, the side people in her band uh, when her father, who she has such a complicated and strong relationship with, was a side player for all these other uh, headlining jazz acts. Like, she ought to get what that's like and how important a position that is and how important it is to maintain that relationship and not treat him like garbage. You wouldn't want, you know, Miles Davis treating your dad like that. Yeah. And she comes clean, like, yeah, you're right. I was wrong. You know, I've changed. I've grown, which is real fucking rich, considering that she had new pussycats in the Katie Keene show that she's apparently ditched since then, too. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, Tabitha, Veronica, and Alexandra are having a business meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tabitha is giving her pitch that she thinks America is ready for a new start. It's a very practiced pitch. It's very professional. I'm surprised she doesn't have a projector with PowerPoint in the middle of the dining yes. hall. And uh, Alexandra's like, I love diners and I'm feeling this. <laughs> but we, we got to make some tweaks. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, she's like, well, one of them is I'm, I'm a performer and I've always romanticized the idea of singing diners. Yeah, that thing that totally exists. Ed DeBevix. <laughs> the birthday song doesn't count. Um, the diner in New York where they're all like Broadway actors who are actually trying to pay their bills and they like sing Broadway show tunes in the diner. That just sounds like the one food service job I'd want. <laughs> so with that, uh, they cut to a Little Shop of Horrors montage. Yeah, Dance yeah. number. Uh, with, yeah, Ver uh, Veronica just says straight out, we have a proud tradition of singing at Pops. And then, bam, it's little a little shop. shop. Little shop of horrors, little shop. We are joined. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's Tabitha. Tabitha. Alexandra. And Tony. Very, very prego Tony. The baby has not popped yet. It, it's That baby is pop. The belly button's popped. The baby ain't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin's in the background boogieing in a booth. He's doing this weird little dance. <laughs> weird little dance. I really want their, like, blue silk pop jacket. Those are good. Those I are want good that jackets. So much. Very pink ladies, but, you know, blue. Yeah. While they're serving milkshakes with gooey eyeballs and, and other Cause, creepy crawlies. Because it's a little shop of horrors. Which has nothing to do with 
Pops Chocolate Shop. A lot of people have gotten shot there. <laughs> okay, you know what? You got me. When you're right, you're right. I don't know what show you've been watching. Pops held a man bleeding to death in his parking lot when he was a young man. And then he shot FP as an old man. Yes! So just like the the uh, downstairs musical numbers, we just like snap back into the present uh, in this business meeting. <laughs> With the most blatant product placement they've ever done. Yeah, yeah, we are... There's a fucking Old Navy bag right there on the table. And then they ask Tony about it, and she says that she found the most adorable baby jeans from Old Navy you've ever seen. And then she thanks them for asking her to join because mm -hmm. she was really hoping that it would start labor and leaves with her old Navy bag. So this was a real song and dance they actually did. They called Tony. Part of this business presentation to, to prove that singing is okay, they had to demonstrate by yeah. doing, they like, choreographed, they got costume. Xandra's like, jacket had her name on it. Like Veronica thanks Tony for coming so quickly. She had to drive across town. And they had to get these jackets embroidered and yes. learn the choreography and call yes. Kevin. This is the longest meeting. <laughs> this means that it wasn't just a, a, oh, let me tell you about our act answer. No, no. <laughs> Valerie and Melody got up, did their act, then sat back down in the exact positions to continue the same conversation with Josie. Yeah. <laughs> Is this why in a later scene we find out that Tony's like a week overdue? Did like a week just transpire for them? <laughs> yeah, we, we skipped we skipped the quick montage of them hiring another one of Veronica's friends to do the choreography, meeting in a dance studio, limbering up, and there's a lot of like physical comedy with Tony trying to do the stretches around her belly. So then uh, Alexander's like, okay, well... This is great. Uh, all I need to do, though, is see your books and finances. For 20 years. 20 years. Some of those years are incredibly haunted. No. Uh, so Josie goes back to her hotel room, and Mama McCoy is waiting for her mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in tears. And they, they embrace, and it's very touching, and she's like, how did you know? And I'm just waiting for her to say, Kevin called me. Yeah, yeah. But apparently he didn't <laughs> because she's just like, a mother always knows, which again, I'm like, I'm waiting for her to say, a mother always knows. No, really, your stepbrother called me. <laughs> like, no, it just doesn't happen. She's just like, I know. I had a feeling when you disappeared that you'd make your way back here to Riverdale. And you did. So the reason that Josie disappeared from uh, going on stage in front of 80,000 screaming fans in Berlin is uh, uh, immediately before Curtain. Is it called Curtain at a concert? I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I feel like I really need to know this. Her mother called her to say that her father had recently passed. Again, if you'll recall, the one or two times Josie actually had a plot, it was about her relationship with her father. Yes. She is there with her, her mother. This is the first time they've spoken since that phone call. And with her father's remains in an urn sitting on the table next to them. Yes. And so Josie's all like, you know, I came back here because I thought I could disappear. Like in high school. Oh, she disappeared a lot. We talked yeah. about it all the time. Yeah. Mama McCoy's like, Josie, I brought your father's ashes. Here you go. 
Uh, he, he left behind two requests, essentially. One, to have his ashes scattered bit by bit nationwide at all his favorite clubs and dives. And two, he wanted Josie to inherit all of his unpublished work, a lot of songs he had written or reorchestrated but never had a chance to record on his own. Yeah. So she, she has that leather-bound, loose-leaf pack of music and just your classic, basic-ass uh, uh, burnished gold urn. And a very long road trip. Yeah, yeah, a lot of mileage. Here, here's the thing. Yes. If I die before you. Yeah? You are welcome to cremate me. Okay. I'd probably let yeah. a professional do it, but okay. <laughs> if you want to break up a new hobby, feel free. But you can just, like... Toss me wherever. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Don't have me sitting on a shelf. Okay. That's weird and creepy. How about the river walk? That actually would be great because, especially if it's where the Eastland disaster was. Right. Let me live with all the other ghosts. I could I could scatter you in the, the most haunted places in Chicago. The alley of death and mutilation. Yeah, I would definitely put a scoop oh my, in the alley of death okay, and mutilation. Okay, I need you. That's, that's what we're doing. Okay. These are our witnesses. I want to go where all the ghosties are. Okay, okay. And I will send you up to space. Okay. I, that's, I thought that's what you wanted. I mean, yes, it is. <laughs> Did you change your mind? I just recognize that that may not be viable, especially if we're talking about dying young. They sell rockets. They do. At the store. It they might do. not, like, make it all the way. Some kid <laughs> will find a really weird surprise in their backyard, but, like, I can try. <laughs> I want to go the, haunt people. The raised part with the in the center of the old dog park, and oh all, the, all the friends will just jump in there and visit. Fuck yeah! And then all the people are like, "Why is my dog so dusty?" Just petting it from behind the grave. My dreams. <laughs> Valerie uh, mm -hmm. goes to have a little bit of a chat with Melody. Yes, because. She, she's all like, you know, Josie didn't do right by us, and I want to make sure I do right by you. So, uh, we're not making my movie, yeah. because I told Tyler Perry no, because I want you. Yeah, yeah. She will not allow her movie to be made with anyone in the starring role but her best friend and roommate, the unknown actress. Yes. Like... I get that this is their story and this is their their unity. What first-time author has that pull in their contract, though? That is not your decision to make. Not at all. You're lucky if they ask your advice. You don't have that call. And here's the thing I love is that, like, Melody's like, go make your movie. <laughs> like, I get it. I'm a barista. Like, no, go. Well, be Give me a background role. Whatever. She, she says that because this conversation goes the other way around. Uh, uh, Melody leads with, this is what Tyler Perry wants. And Valerie's like, yeah, frankly, that makes a lot of sense. And, and then Melody says, so I said no, the, the, this movie isn't happening. And then they get a text from Mama McCoy. Uh, but over at Pops, the, the meeting is continuing. Uh, they've looked over the books. As if it wasn't long enough already. Uh, and she thinks that they need to reprice everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and the milkshakes, the milkshakes are losing money. So they need to adjust the recipe to replace the real milk. Tab Tabitha was okay with like raising the price of the burgers and fries. That's just what business is. You but do when it comes not 
to the yes. fucking milkshakes. That is her grandfather's milkshake recipe, and we are not touching it. And Xandra, just seeing this initial reaction, is like, girl, relax, it's just a milkshake. And then we find out why it's not just a fucking milkshake. We get February Black History Month lessons. That, in this Riverdale episode. That, that Pops was the first black-owned business in and the, Riverdale. And the only for many a year. And they were the, you know, open 24 hours and it was it was a safe place. For people that looked like you and me, Zandra. And this isn't just a milkshake. This is a legacy. The only thing on the menu for the first few years oh, yes. was a chocolate milkshake. That's why it's called Pops Chocolate Shop, goddammit. And I'm not doing this, you bitch. And she just like storms off. Mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, legacy. <laughs> it's a legacy. Dang, girl. Dang. Tabitha, scary. The milkshake is a deal breaker. Yes. Uh, so Val and Mel go to see Josie. The text from Mama McCoy was letting them know about Josie's dad. Mm-hmm. And so they they have come to, you know, apologize. And apologize and whatnot. <laughs> they are there for their old former friend but still like this this is a time we need to like be there for you instead of like dumping all that shit on you if we knew that was a situation we could have tabled that for another week or two yeah i'm sorry and and josie you know talks about how you know watching her dad's career and him just being out of the spotlight made her obsessed with being in the spotlight i'm also kind of like i think your mom did too (laughs) your mom was kind of a stage mom it was sort of the whole thing (laughs) Um, and she's like, you know, I would just give anything to play with him again, to play with you guys again. And they're like, we're going to record with you. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm, and she's mm-hmm. like, that's great. Uh, how do you feel about a one night concert too? And they're like, what? If you guys have given me a second chance, I feel like I need to give others a second chance. Which struck me as another weird meta moment. Like, okay, we're, we're good now, right? We've started to make amends and give recompense for, for how your characters were treated in past seasons. The show as a whole is okay again, right? We're cool? We're cool? Cool, we're good, yeah. So uh, they go to see Archie. And they're like, we're going to help you save Riverdale. Josie and the Pussycats reunion for one night only with all the funds going to reincorporate the town. And Archie replies, Josie and the Pussycats reunited. If that doesn't save Riverdale, nothing can. And every line, every fucking line in this episode that includes the word Riverdale might as well be said straight to camera. Riverdale. With a little like wink wink in the eye. (laughs) Like it's from the Josie and the Pussycats movie celebrating its 20th anniversary year. Which, 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 (laughs) which, they don't sing one fucking song from that. No, they don't. Motherfucker. Could they not get the rights? Did they even try? I can understand it being a story note because that those songs are very of their time and of their musical scene. Whereas this incarnation of the Pussycats is very, uh, very soul, very R&B. Here's what I thought could have happened as a perfect storyline to incorporate one of these songs. Uh You know uh that big book of music that she got that was her father's? Oh yeah, that's her dad's music. Her dad was real into letters to Cleo. Be like, oh, my dad helped write this for some random band, uh-huh. and then they never used it. Uh, Let's play it. Okay. He he wrote this, and then they turned their backs on him, but we're not going to do that. Much like Jim Steinman uh, reusing Total Eclipse from the Heart when one of his vampire musicals never got staged. Yes. Yeah, okay. 
See, Jim Steinman, fucking great. The man wrote two separate vampire musicals. Really, they should call, consult with me on the scripts. Yeah, Because I yeah. have good ideas. Absolutely. <laughs> they are at the White Worm for, mm -hmm. for this concert. And uh, Tony, uh, Veronica's like, hey, Tony, how overdue are you? A great way to say hello to one of your friends. <laughs> and we find out she is a week overdue. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite, favorite thing yes. is Betty looks over and she's like, Dr. Colonel Jr., did someone die? <laughs> And he's like, no, I'm a huge Josie fan at the bar with his Josie shirt wearing colors. He's wearing colors. He's wearing a hat. The man is wearing a hat. The man is out in public. He had to walk through sunshine to get there. He still looks like a corpse, but he's a corpse that's ready to party. Did someone die? Okay, here's the thing. All I could think, though, was, yes, Josie's dad. <laughs> Yeah, you, you better hope Josie did not overhear that from the green room. Jesus this, Christ. This is all I kept thinking. Because I just also kept thinking, like, she totally brought his urn there, didn't he? She like, sitting behind the curtain. Dr. Colonel Jr. can just, like, sense it. He goes. He has a nose for death. He can smell it. <laughs> um, so then the show starts with Josie and the Pussycats. And we, we get some very traditional, like, pussycat outfits mm -hmm. and, like, cat cut-out backgrounds. And uh, lots the, of... the backdrop uh, is a, a silhouette of uh, Sebastian from the Josie and the Pussycats cartoon. They've used this before in past episodes, as seen in some of the flashbacks in the opening musical number. I can't recall if I, I pointed out then uh, uh, all those years ago, but it is. And so, yeah, their first number is... A short reprise of a, a rock and roll version of the Hanna-Barbera Josie and the Pussycats TV theme song. Yes. Finally. And uh, everyone's just really enjoying it, having a great time. No one's playing an instrument. <laughs> yeah, they all start <laughs> playing instruments. And they end playing instruments, but like no one's playing instruments while they sing. Uh, but then everyone's like on their feet dancing, you know, everyone's super into it and there's cheering and like Archie plants a smooch on Kevin's cheek, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. I can only think is maybe like KJ Appa's like get back to Casey Cott for like the Hedwig thing. Maybe. Because he didn't know that that was going to happen. Maybe. I don't know. I, f I feel like it was one of those scenes where a lot of the like fun stuff was... You know, you could tell people are just having a good time, like reacting. And, yeah, and yeah. Everyone's together type thing. The the cast does seem to really, really get along and enjoy themselves, especially in big group numbers like yes. that. Probably because it's rare that they're all actually in the same room. Right? Right. And also, like, Tony's there. Like, we haven't had Tony we in forever. We haven't seen Tony in forever. Because she was having a baby. So, like any good concert, you have your big opening number, and then the lead singer gets to talk for a minute yes. and set the context for the night. And she talks about all the places she's played in the world. The Sydney Opera House, Dodger Stadium, the Apollo. But how good it is, how nothing is quite like playing back here. Remember, she had a lot of gigs on this stage. Yeah. Different decor, but the same stage. There's no place like Riverdale. Mm -hmm. Wink! Wink! Uh, you get it? So she gives a speech. She sings this very emotional song for her dad. Yes, it's one of her dad's arrangements, I think. Uh, but it is certainly one of her, her dad's favorite songs, Stars by Nina Simone. Yes, and she sees Ghost Papa. 
ghost papa, the, the spirit of her father enters uh, because like he always came to her performances after all. Uh, it's the one thing he was good at. That and yeah. belittling her dreams. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then as she's finishing her song, Tony has a contraction. And she's like, I'm sorry, Josie. I think I'm going to have my baby. And she goes, oh, crap. Is there a doctor here? And Dr. Colonel Jr. raises his hand. And everyone else is like, anyone else? Is there another doctor? Any doctor but that doctor. And I want... I don't want a Frankenstein. I want a real fucking baby. And my dreams are crushed because I was so ready for him to be the one to deliver that baby and to be like, oh, yes, I actually was studying to be an OBG. But then my father called and asked me to take on his legacy. So I did. And I gave up my dreams of bringing life into this world. So now I take death out. But no, that's all interrupted because Fags is like, we've been practicing for our home birth. I got this, but I need a helping hand. And Cheryl's like, me! Because she probably just wants to baptize the baby in the name of Jason Christ or some shit. I mean, she's familiar with the territory. Like, she knows what to expect going in. This is true! <laughs> she got you very know, familiar with the territory in this very if, room. If, Their hottest sex scene was in the speakeasy. Tony's birthing canal. It is Cheryl. <laughs> and Cheryl has seen it all, so Tony doesn't have to, like, feel self-conscious. Cheryl Blossom owns strap-on forceps. I know it. <laughs> I know it in my heart. Things got really creepy, and Fangs was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> they go off to, like, birth this baby. Yes. Everyone else goes upstairs to Pops to wait to hear about the birth. So my thought is, is that they're birthing this baby in the truck in the parking lot. <laughs> and Pops is being used as the waiting room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so the pussycats commiserate with one another, saying, Typical Riverdale, the pussycats always getting upstaged by something. Get it? Uh? Uh? That's the biggest one for me. That and Archie's line. Uh, Alexandra's like, hey, Tabitha. Let's do it. We're going to keep everything as it is, and I'm going to franchise you. Uh, and the Pussycats have their own little thing where where Josie's like, Hey, would you ever consider going on tour with me? Uh, and they're like, Oh, like as like, you know, your sideliners or whatever. And like, no, equal billing. Like, I'm, I'm going to go around the country and play at these small places and honor my dad and like secretly dump his ashes backstage. But like, yeah, don't tell yeah. anyone because normally it's kind of illegal. And like, we, we could all like do it together, headlining. They are very open to the idea of being Josie and the Pussycats, not the Pussycats opening act for Josie. Kevin wrong because they have him like pacing and Cheryl comes in and he's very like oh what's the news and like it's a boy and like he doesn't like rush off to them or anything to like greet the his his son yeah or you know comfort his family or what hey sheriff you're a grandpappy Josie do you want to like tell your mom that she's kind of a grandma but like not you're an aunt, you're an aunt. I think maybe you if this had been years ago, you would have been an aunt. <laughs> I'm so confused. I understand not giving Kevin a moment because that would that would force an answer to the outstanding questions of Kevin's plot, which is not this week's plot. But it leaves him in a hell of an awkward lurch all the same. They could have just had him go off 
Mm-hmm. We didn't have to see any them interacting, yeah. nothing. Just, Just he goes. Tr- trust the actors to have a, a meaningful, awkward look that shows that this is not a closed question. This is, we're letting this moment happen, but we have things to discuss next week. It's our turn. Yes. Yeah. Something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, it is now time for the pussycats to leave. So, so I guess like the next day, a few days later, I don't know. But they're like loading onto the Josie and the Pussycats tour bus. It's been at least long enough to make a Josie and the Pussycats tour bus. Yes, but not long enough that anyone had met the baby because Tony brings the baby to say hi and goodbye mm-hmm. and and introduces uh, the baby as Anthony. Named after Tony's grandfather. So yeah, Tony, the son of Tony, great-grandson of Tony. <laughs> it's a family name, sure. But you remember Grandpa? We can now in- infer that he has passed. Yep, I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. Uh, they're all like to Josie, like, you know, we thought you would stay and be the new music teacher. Kevin was really hoping there would be another music teacher. He, he just really wants to give up at least one job. Please. He's so busy. Uh, what we find out is Alan M. is going with the tour. To be their roadie because he's Alan M. Of, it is fate. <laughs> and Nancy's not going because she's not Alan M. No. And she's not a roadie. No. Maybe she doesn't really love her girlfriend that much. Maybe she has a job. Because Sweet Pea's going, and they're not even dating. He's going. Sweet Pea comes, and he's like, you know, any chance I could tag her along, I could be your bus driver, I could be your roadie, I could be your anything. (laughs) Oh, my God! What a sweetums. What a sweet little boy. What a sweet pea. But speaking of sweet people... Then, as Josie is saying goodbye... This turns into a backdoor pilot so hard and so suddenly. I love it. So this man is like, Josie McCoy, my name is Toot Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst jazz pun name I've ever heard in my life. I toured with your dad, and I was with him when he died. And he was mixed in a lot of bad stuff in New Orleans. Debts. Voodoo. (laughs) And they're like, was he murdered? Mama McCoy says, we've lived long enough in Riverdale to know if someone passes away. Foul play is always a chance. (laughs) So this suddenly swerves from a a makeup project because you failed your class and and you you begged your teacher pretty please to get some extra credit. That's what this episode has been up to this point. And now it's, Bam! Time for a spinoff, baby. Uh-huh. Where we're ghost hunting across America to find my... You know what? <laughs> the voodoo man that killed my father through the power of music. I didn't know I needed this, but I need this. I need Sweet Pea and Josie to team up, and mm-hmm. I need Valerie and Melody to have to punch Toot Sweet in the face when we find out that he's like... Yeah, yeah. The demon incarnate or something. Like two time and he's been pulling all the strings, toot sweet. As they run away from like Scooby-Doo villains, like mm-hmm. oh my god. And like They would meet Sebastian the Cat 
And Alec and and Zandra Alexandra would show up and suddenly get magic powers for a week. It, this setup is very much a Hanna Barbera TV show from the seventies. Yes, yes. And what I love is like Josie and Mama McCoy are like, okay, let's get on that bus before like anyone else shows up. We're like, we gotta go. This is getting fucked up. So they drive away as uh, uh, as Doctor Colonel Junior chases the bus, he, leading the fans of Josie and the Pussycats, all with their signs and their T-shirts. As as Melody is is closing the narration, bookending her start, she's like, "Yeah, I told you this would be a story about three girls who whose friendship was torn apart and then reforged stronger than ever." It's that's what happened, isn't it, you chumps? And this won't be the last that you hear of us. Because you're going to hear from us again. Cute logo on the screen. Yeah, we get a, like a bright neon. Uh, this is the biggest like sop toward, you know, movie fans. I feel like this Pussycats logo is very 2001. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. We That's it. Then the credits roll and we, we find out that, yeah, I, I was right. That totally is Nancy from the comics. That's her last name. You did it. Uh, unlike Bingo, you jerks. Fucking assholes. And a special uh, uh, credit, you know, a promotional consideration provided by Old Navy. God fucking Old Navy. <laughs> And they're cute baby jeans. <laughs> I'm sorry. Crazy people go to Gap for cute baby jeans. Yes. Old Navy's where you go for cheap baby jeans. What? Neither which is bad. But like, let's get it straight. One of us spent a few years working at a Gap location. Fuck the Gap. And still has nightmares. <laughs> Fuck the Gap. That Gap recently permanently closed. And I felt like a weight being lifted off my body. <laughs> It was like we finally burned the demon. And that was several jobs ago. Yes, but it was that traumatic. <laughs> Thing is, is I'm still friends like on like social media with people who worked there. Literally all of them are like traumatized from their time at the Gap. <laughs> if, if you repressed all of your memories Jughead style, would that mean there's a, a gap in your life? I mean, you have to repress it when people come out of the fitting rooms. And just show you their boobs. <laughs> and they're like, this bra didn't fit. Can you get me another one? Can you put a shirt on? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> or like, can you look at my crotch? Do I have camel toe? No, I will not look. Personally, I've never had a problem with camel toe. Maybe I'm just really good at wearing pants. I love you. I love you. So. Darling, what did you think of chapter 91, The Return of the Pussycats? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was really good to see some of these characters and see yes. them actually do stuff and have time and everything. But oh my god, some of that was so like, do you get it? You get it? Do you get it? You get it? This and is about as obvious as the old navy bag on your table. <laughs> yes. Do you get it? Yes. Do you get it? The the expanded role of Tony up until, you know, medical leave, obviously, and the existence of Tabitha are also very much reactions to that same issue. Yeah. To, to uh, June 2020 in the Riverdale orbit. Yeah. Those have been good and welcome, and I've yeah. enjoyed it. And this one is just like, wow, man. Like, you just squeezed it all in in one, huh? We couldn't have spread it out over like a few episodes? Right? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been better? Because it would have felt less awkward, and you know, you know next week it's all the white people again. <laughs> next week it's going to be all the white people again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
okay, this whole like tour adventure to go find the voodoo man and everything, like mm-hmm. very fun. If that but was like, a show, I'd be excited for that show, but I haven't seen a press release. Yeah, That's not I, happening. I feel like that was It's a, not a show. I feel like that was a fun idea they had and no one decided to pick it up. Right? Though if someone did, what I would want it to be is like a weird cross between like the really perky parts of Riverdale and like 2001 like Pussycats type stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. meets Sabrina. I like, would love an episode where like the evil wizard zaps them into product placement world and like they fly in the tide uh, uh, plane from the Josie and the Pussycats yes. movie. Yes. Yes. And I'm thinking like weird things like that where it's very like bubblegummy, mm-hmm. but then, you know, we're dripping blood and there's like goat heads and whatnot. I'd be way more down with that show than Katie Keene, which is just like... Awful. What if instead of teenage hyper-drama, we had mid-twenties kind of drama? What you, what you have is kind of boring, then, is what is is what happens. Yeah. Bernadette Peters is on that show, and I still haven't watched it. You know what that means for me? <laughs> for me? Yeah. Not good. The, the Hermes from Town is in, like, three or four episodes. Yeah. Yes! Yeah. We're like, eh. Yeah. So, it, it was a good time. It was. Do I think this was the best way to do this? Mm, maybe not. The, the behind-the-scenes context is the, the key to understanding what the hell is up with this episode. Yeah. But when you know it, it makes... you can only judge the episode by it. Yeah. And not by all the things that, like, in, in isolation, just what's on screen. So much great stuff is happening. Yeah. But that's not where your mind is the whole time. Yeah. Toots Sweet shows up for three seconds. I love Toots Sweet. It's good to know Sweet Pea's alive. Hiram Lodge is in the show just long enough to be called a little little bitch bitch. three times. (laughs) Three times. There are such great moments. Every musical number, incredible, because Josie's in slightly over half of them, and there's a lot of them. Well, and all three of them, like, are much better singers than everyone else. I think Melody actually had a line for every time we said, why doesn't Melody have lines? I think so. <laughs> I think she did. It's a tight race. It's a tight race. It was It was nice. It was nice to, like, you know, hear her mm-hmm, speak. Mm-hmm. I was about to say... I am curious what this parallel Riverdale was like. If we had been following these characters as our central cast, Mm -hmm. filling in the holes of all these adventures they allude to, it probably would have been very much like the Katie Keene show, because they mentioned no murders. They they mentioned no gargoyle kings. No. So maybe I wouldn't have been that into it, but... I'm certainly curious about it. Well, and like, okay, so we're getting the vibe that Melody and Valerie live in Riverdale. They've been living yeah, in Riverdale. Yeah, they apparently are on the rotation for White Worm, you know, talent. I, I would have liked to have known their reactions to all the shit everyone else was doing. Yeah, like, yeah they yeah, lived here during... there's a reason I don't hang out with my high school friends anymore. Right? They're fucking nuts. They lived here during the time skip. All the stuff that happened, like the buses don't stop anymore, they stayed. Have they been working with Tony? Have Valerie and Tony been working together on all of Tony's efforts to keep the town alive? Is that some of Valerie's activism? According to this, there's a coffee shop in the town. Maybe she commutes. Maybe she commutes to New York to be a barista. (laughs) 
There's a lot of towns in the county. Some of them have to have coffee shops. <laughs> like, that was one thing that did kind of confuse me. Because I was getting, like, the vibe that they were supposed to be there because of the whole white worm thing and stuff. But then at the same time, like, their apartment doesn't look like something in Riverdale. And there's, like, other yeah. things where it's, like, they have no reaction to, like... Even just like, Josie, you've been gone. Do you see what happens to the town? Or like, none of that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they live in Midvale. That was something with like, Tabitha talking to Josie. Like, do you, is Riverdale like you remember it? No! No! It's constantly on fire now. It was only on fire half the time when I was in high school. That's twice as much fire! There's yeah. a lot of trucks around now. <laughs> what is with this truck traffic? Why does every truck have something strapped to the to the grill? What's up with that? I saw the skeleton truck on the way in. Like, it was weird. So, darling, do you have any predictions? It's standardized testing day at Riverdale High. And uh, the gang is going to have to come up with some sort of scheme to, swatch, to, to switch all the Scantron results so that they don't get shut down by the state. Yeah. Yes. Because no one's been teaching the children. None. No one. Nothing at all. My thought is, you know, because obviously we're not getting this pilot or this ep- this show. Once a season, we'll do a little catch up. Yes. Or throughout next yes. season, they'll also be like, oh, I talked to Josie or like Sweet Pea called me and mm-hmm. said blah, blah, blah. And then we'll get like one episode that's like their adventures or it'll be like them retelling their adventures of what happened in New Orleans. Or next time there's a supernatural threat, like, I don't know, maybe uh, uh, the, the Blossom Blood Demons get out of hand. Josie, we need you to bring the Voodoo King. Right? Yeah, we call up Josie because she's been hanging out with, with some voodoo priestesses. Maybe she is one by now and, and ask her expertise. Yeah. This is just chilling adventures. But yep. <laughs> But, you know, like... You, in you, fact, in fact, the guy that played Toots Sweet was in Chilling Adventures as Baron Samity. Of course he was. Of course he was. Of course he was. But, like, I I could see them doing that now. You know, some check-ins, and then there's an episode or two that catches us up on those adventures. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they have a guest appearances again. What? Oh, man. What if Toot Sweet is Baron Samity? That's why they, they cast that guy. Oh. What if... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I wish this show that doesn't exist existed. Right? I just really want to see their bus adventures. Yes! I really want this. It would be so They're very crowded tour bus. I hope there's oh. two bathrooms on that bus. Wait, they have... Three band members, two significant others, a mom... Uh-huh. A bus driver. A bus driver. Did Toot Sweet go with them? Are they giving him a ride to New Orleans? So maybe? So like eight? <laughs> There's eight people on this bus. Minimal. They might have had other staff. Dr. Curdle Jr. is like going to like... Dr. Curdle Jr. was trying to hitch a ride. That's why he was running after the bus. He... To, to grab onto the bumper and never let go. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's where I want us to get the updates. Yes. If Dr. Curdle Jr. like follows her on social media and yeah. in the chats and he's like... He'll he say subscribes so- to the newsletter. Like, he'll say something and be like, oh, I heard what Josie's up to recently. <laughs> the rumor has it that blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Curdle Jr. over the last, what, eight minutes really stole the episode, though. There, there's no denying it. Here's what I need. I mean, I'm a big curdle head, so I am biased. 
I need an episode where they have to track him down because they really need him to do an autopsy and they have to go to his home. <laughs> and we find out that his home is like, I don't know, covered in like crystals and plants. Yeah. And like, like, this is the only time we've seen him outside of his work clothes. He dresses like a normal guy. Uh, yeah. He is a normal guy. Yeah. <laughs> Against all odds. Yeah. Like, I thought he just slept in, like, the freezer. Yeah, yeah, he just crawled in one of those those slots with the, the rolling, yeah. Yeah, but no, apparently he's, like, he has friends? He was there with friends. <laughs> there was someone else there yeah. with him that was like, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan, too, and he was having drinks with them. He founded the fan club, and now they're all, they're, they're besties. Yeah, it's amazing. Why do you think he practices in Riverdale? He could have been a morgue <gasps> attendant anywhere. That's why. It's, it's well, Josie Ground Zero. And, and his dad's legacy. Let's remember. Of course, of course. That remember. is canon. That's why he's not an OB. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm updating the wiki. I truly believe this. <laughs> he's very upset that he couldn't deliver the baby. He trained for many years. Uh, Maybe he's a midwife on the side. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a male wife midwife. That's my Dr. <laughs> Colonel Jr. Uh, I prefer doula. <laughs> Selectation consultant. <laughs> Why does it sound dirty when you say it? I was trying to make it sound distinguished. <laughs> this is a good episode. I feel good about this one. <laughs> I guess that's what passes for predictions this week. I'm sorry. Uh, but let's talk about what we know is going to happen next week. Chapter 92, Band of Brothers, named, of course, for the classic HBO miniseries. Literally everyone was in it who, who oh was... Oh my god, everyone was in it. Everyone who was a, a recognizable actor at the time or for the next five years. A lot of people seem to first show up in Band of Brothers. Yes. This trailer... I don't even want to talk about the trailer. This trailer starts with, like, we're just going to check in with a lot of ongoing plots. You know, oh. Archie talks army stuff with his uncle. Betty is uh, posing as as a, a, a streetwalker on the and, highway. And Tabitha again. finds out. And Jughead's like, I'm trying to get my life together. None of this shit fucking matters. No. Chad shows up. Fuck him. We're not going to talk about that part of the trailer. we got to talk about the final shot of the trailer, which is Cheryl Blossom double fist clutching, oozing honeycombs and squeezing them white knuckle while bees swarms of bees form around each of her fists and she screams what she screams at her mother i am the queen of the bees <laughs> and i am the queen of the bees and if that isn't fucking appointment television if this doesn't beat the goddamn mash finale what will what what will it take this might be the moment in Riverdale. This is it. This is it. This is How do we top this? This is what it's all been building to. 91 episodes of prologue followed by I, I am, am the queen, queen of, of the bees. bees. I already know what we're naming next week's episode. There's no contest. There's no way they can top it. Nothing else. There is nothing in that episode that can top this. If there is, we may die. <laughs> we may die. We, we may die. We might have heart attacks. I might die. Or a hemorrhage. I don't know. But, like, I'm not sure we will make it if something tops this. That tops you are a little bitch. What does it mean? <laughs> okay, so predictions. Predictions about 
what the dripping honeycomb I am queen of the bees could mean. The pain! The pain! Is this Cheryl's, like, it's what she's rolling out for the, the cults, like, for their penance. Okay. Like, after they, like, you know, confess their sins. It's like, you have to, like, hold, or no, oh no, it's a test. To tr- trust that you're, it's, like, actually faithful in, in Jason Christ? Yeah, I was going to say, I, it, it might be Riverdale's take on, like, snake-handling churches. Yes, you gotta hold the bees. You gotta squeeze, and you gotta squeeze a bees. Here's my prediction. It's maple honey. Yeah, yeah, it, it's all from the maple trees. What if, what if her big break with her family is uh, uh, switching from syrup to honey? We burn the trees, and in their place we plant wildflowers, and now they are honey groves. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, what if while palladium mining, mm-hmm. they find this giant beehive filled <laughs> with this honey, which they harvest, and it's actually worth more than the palladium. And she, and, Yellow gold, they call it. And and that's why she splits and she's like, I'm queen of the bees. And like, I, I screw your maple grove. I have the honey. Anything can happen on September 15th, 2021, Band of Brothers. Oh boy, oh boy. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. But thank you for joining us. And I hope you are sharing in the anticipation uh, as we await next week's reveal of all of its sweet mysteries. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, uh, feel free to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. I do love them. I eat them up. You can also tell a friend. Mm-hmm. I eat them too. I'm a cannibal. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at sex underscore Archie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need to get the word out, people. We need to get the word out. The one, that guy's name is Toot Sweet. And two, Cheryl Blossom is about to become queen of the bees. Now is the time to invite your friends, because I think our heads might explode next week. (laughs) So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie. Nice to know you're still a little bitch. For all your lies to come undone And those three small words came way too late They could have totally done that You can't see that I'm the one They could have totally done that to close the episode Right? It could have just been in the background Like, they didn't even have to say it was their song Like, I don't care (laughs) I don't fucking care That song could have been in there